Okay, well, hello everybody. I'm Anthony Wilson and welcome back to Mastering Risk Management, the podcast series. And a good morning, good evening, good afternoon to you wherever you are in the world at the moment. Um, my special guest uh, today, uh, this evening for me uh, and uh, in the morning for her, uh, is Wendy Phyllis. And uh, Wendy is the Chief Risk Officer at Link Group. Uh, and she's a member of that uh, organisation's executive leadership team. So she leads the group risk and compliance and the audit functions globally for Link. And um, we might get Wendy to tell us a little bit about Link's operations too when we when we say hello. So she's got more than 25 years experience in uh, leadership roles in risk compliance and operations within financial services firms. Previously, Wendy was Managing Director, Regulatory Solutions for Royal Bank of Canada's Investor and Treasury Services Division, where she led the team responsible for identifying, assessing and leading regulatory change initiatives, impacting the asset servicing business and its clients globally. Prior to that, she was the Group Chief Risk and Group Chief Compliance Officer at ICAP and has spent more than 16 years in various roles at State Street including Senior Vice President and Head of Risk Management, EMEA, and Chief Operating Officer for State Street Global Markets, EMEA. So Wendy holds a Bachelor of Science in Physics from Dickinson College in Pennsylvania and an MBA from Simmons College Graduate School of Management in Massachusetts. She also holds the FT, which I'm presuming is Financial Times, uh, Non-Executive Director's Diploma, specialising in board governance. So Wendy is an avid supporter of charities, especially in London's East End, where she lives. And in her spare time, Wendy enjoys sailing, particularly offshore yacht racing, and has sailed across the Atlantic. So there you go. So Wendy, not only a risk professional in your career, but you apply it on the water as well. <laughs> so welcome. Thanks, Anthony. It's great to be here. Thank you. So that is a... Um, a fairly interesting resume, Wendy, and, I, and I'm I'm dying to ask uh, the the link from Bachelor of Science in Physics into a fairly extensive and amazing career in financial services. How did that transition happen? It's a great question, and I'm still trying to figure out the answer. Um, <laughs> but, so I. Um, I probably like a lot of other people studied what I loved at university and went off and spent a year in a PhD program doing astrophysics. Wow. And then realized that I was never going to be an astronaut, and astrophysics was a bit difficult, so I, I left after a year, um, needed a job, and ended up getting a job in a bank that was a specialist provider in financial services, dealing a lot with um, investment funds. And the rest is kind of history. <laughs> <laughs> so you were able to say to your first employer, this is not rocket science and, and literally mean it. <laughs> I have used that line quite a number of times yep. in my CRO job, yep. yes. But, uh, yeah, I mean, look, I think it, it's interesting when I reflect on it. I think um, what I learned in studying physics and doing it in a, in a liberal arts college, so I had to take courses in English literature and art history and all sorts of things. But I, I learned two things that I think translate. One is how to solve problems. Yep. And two is how to communicate well. Yeah. And those, I think, are two very important skills uh, for anyone to have that are particularly helpful in, um, in a CRO role. Yeah, yeah. 
So, so the, you 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 started in financial services. Where, where did the transition into risk come along? Was that something that you know naturally took your interest, or was it like a lot of risk people and myself included fall into the risk role? How did how did that sort of come about? Yes, yeah, so it, it was a bit of both, I guess. Um, I, as you mentioned, I, I had the good fortune of spending. Um, 16 years with one employer and I think I've had about eight different roles mm. with that with that company um, which is great for me because I get bored pretty easily so I was always able to find something new and interesting to do but um, I spent a lot of time in operations yeah. of running back office operations where it's all about process and control um, and, and that's kind of the mindset that I have and probably helped by my educational background. So um, I was running uh, before I, my, my first risk role came uh, just after I was or when I was running a, a large back office operation. Um, the role became available to lead this bank's Basel II implementation. Right. So that tells you how long ago it was. Right. <laughs> um, and I had a lot of good experience with operations, process, managing large-scale programs of work, and ended up taking the job running the Basel program implementation. Um, and at the same time, I had the good, and that was in the risk department. Uh, at the same time, I had the, uh, the good fortune of being asked to lead the group operational risk function. Um, there was the vacancy there. So that's kind of how I got my foot into, uh, into risk management. So focus on ops risk. But, but I think the Basel implementation was also interesting because it, it, a lot of it was around um, capital modeling, yeah. estimation. You know, uh, estimating capital for operational risk was a brand new discipline. Yep. And having that kind of mathematical science background kind of helped me uh, – helped me translate the uh, the concerns that, that my team of PhD statisticians had yeah. into something that was more understandable to the layperson. <laughs> so that's how I got into uh, that's how I got into risk. Um, and I've sort of dipped in and out, you know, since that would have been in two thousand four. Yeah. So it was yeah. the last sixteen years more or less in risk. Yeah. And it seems that, um, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of um, uh, risk uh, senior executives don't have any formal training in it initially. They sort of take on the role, they learn as they go, uh, they put their own stamp on it. They may do some follow-up or some, you know, some training subsequently, but I, I yeah. yet, I think, to talk to any of my guests who said, oh yeah, I was trained in risk management and then I took on the role. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I think, yeah, that's exactly my experience. Um, you know, when I first joined a risk team, there were no qualifications. Mm. You, you know, I don't know that you would have gone to university or in your MBA program, you know, studied risk management as a discipline. Yep. I think that's changing a mm. little bit, mm. um, which is probably really helpful um, for people to have a grounding in some of the key principles, your know, techniques, those kinds of things. Um, but I think that needs to be balanced with a, you know, some experience in business and, and a commercial acumen yeah. as well. I think yeah. it's, it's really the combination. So those of us who 
wouldn't have uh, joined the profession with qualifications. I think it's, it was important for us to try to educate ourselves on on what what it is. Right? What is this thing we call risk management? What yeah. is it as a discipline? What are the key components? Just like people who will have educated themselves in risk management will need to educate themselves in the businesses that they're there to support. Yeah, that's that's so true, Wendy. That the the the, the people that do land in the role, as it were, generally they've come through the business. They've got a strong understanding of how the business works, and and I guess you know CEOs or boards who make those appointments know that about the person. So they, I, I guess, they're comfortable that. You know, they, they they might not know the technical risk stuff, but they know enough about the business to get through. So, yeah. 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 No, that's yeah, good. and I think, sorry to interrupt you, Andy. I guess the other thing to say is I think it's you, the, the people that I see who have successfully made that transition from business into risk um, often have that process and control mindset mm. it's just something that's kind of naturally built into their abilities and, and and what they focus on yeah um so i think i think that helps um you know i've seen people trans uh you know transfer the other way and go from risk into the business with varying degrees of success as well because yeah. you can't just go in as you know just having that risk management control mindset without understanding you know the commercial impact of, of why the business is there to do what it's doing yeah a- absolutely couldn't agree more Wendy it's um speak the business language understand how the business does business how does the business make money all of those sort of basic things you you have to know about otherwise you're not going to yeah. you're not going to connect and resonate with the with the leadership team and and the people in the business yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, you're, you're certainly not going to be able to demonstrate how you can add value. Yeah, yeah. To the business. My right? word. Um, and I think, you know, unfortunately, we sometimes get landed with the, uh, you know, ri- uh, business prevention department label. Um, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Naturally. But, uh, but yeah, I think, you know, that's why it's important to understand, as you said, the business um you what it's there to do and, and how you really can help them uh, succeed in a way that's risk aware. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's probably a little bit early in our chat for a deep and meaningful question, but I'll try anyway. Um, so, <laughs> I, I, and I do ask a lot of guests who are in the space, but, uh, you know, there's not too many of us that were sitting in year 11 and 12 or, or high school or whatever the equivalent is in whichever country you're in, saying, boy, I want to be a risk professional. Um, so what what does the profession need to do, do you think, to start uh, promoting itself and attracting young people and really highlighting, uh, you know, what a wonderful career it is? You know, it's, it's a fantastic thing to do and very rewarding. But how, how does the profession get out there and sell itself, do you think? Oh gosh, that's a great question. And, and maybe it is too early in the discussion to ask. Such a <laughs> well, maybe you can think about question. it. <laughs> but, well, let me. Uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, that's a tough one, right? Because I, I, I think that um, you know, people have varying degrees of understanding of what risk management is. Mm. Right, so um, I, I, I think that um, you know, being able to articulate 
kind of that value proposition to graduates, right? Um, you know, what the benefits are. And, and you know, from my perspective, um, one of the, the really attractive things in risk roles is that you get to see an entire business, mm. right? You get to look across, hopefully at a strategic level, and really get a good understanding of an entire business. And, yeah. and yep. you know, I think that that's yeah. probably um, not what people think about when they first think about risk management, right? Um, yeah. yeah. And frankly, there's so many different disciplines within risk management that I, you know, I think it's uh, it's a pretty broad church, so it's it, yeah. it may be difficult to try to, to convince the teenagers that it's interesting and fun and challenging and all those things that, that we all know it to be. Yeah, yeah. And, and maybe, you know, maybe future university courses or um, even senior sort of later uh, school, high school, uh, can focus on some of the things that people see going on around them but wonder why so you know why are we having royal commissions into banks and why are we having royal commissions into aged care and and, and you know a lot of this is a failure mm-hmm. of risk management you know so maybe maybe if Absolutely. they could connect the dots maybe that that might help yeah i think that's a really good point i think you know on reflection um you know, we so I've I've spent my my entire career in financial services, so this one hits close to home for me. But we're so bad at helping people be financially literate, right? And understanding you know, even what it means when you take out a credit card mm. or a loan or a mortgage or you invest in something mm. um, or even leave cash in, on deposit in your bank. Um, and if we were better at that as society, maybe then, you know, people would understand why it's important to have a good understanding of risk and return yeah, and therefore make the profession, you know, that much more understandable and potentially attractive. Mm. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. Well, thank you. That was a tough question early in the piece. <laughs> So only after my second cup of coffee this morning. Yeah, that's too, right. So. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, so we touched on um, the joy and the the excitement and the job satisfaction that risk management brings. What what do you find attractive about the role? What are the things that you know make you jump out of bed of the morning and say, "Hey, great, I'm I'm, I'm off again." Um, and I suppose on the other end of that. What are the things that you say oh, I could do without that happening all the time? So, what's the what are the attractions and the and the not so good things? Yeah, so I for me, I I think I already mentioned um, you having that wide view of mm. the business. You mm. know, at, at Link, um, you know, I have in my role, I have the opportunity to look at very interesting and di- a diverse set of risks across probably five different business divisions. Yeah. Um, having a seat at the table and being able to influence, you know, strategy at the senior levels, um, you know, that, that really gets, gets me out of bed and every day is different. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Which is, um, as I mentioned, I get bored pretty easily. So, <laughs> um, no two days are, are, are alike. Um, which in some respects, Maybe the same answer to the second part of your question, <laughs> which is 
what's not so great? Um, or what's, what's challenging? I mean, I think um, where, where the profession is, I think there's, there's some more maturity um, that needs to happen. And, you know, I think having similar challenges um, in varying places where I've worked about having to un explain to my colleagues in the business what the benefit is of good risk management. Mm. I mean, mm. frankly, that's kind of something... I think we could all do without because yeah. it'd be great if everybody understood that. Yeah. Um, without having to, to feel like you know you're you're the broken record. Um, so I guess from that perspective, it's more an attitude of you know sometimes the colleagues that we have to interact with that. Yeah. You know, I sometimes find myself saying, "Do I really have to have this conversation again?" Yeah. But yeah. You know, I think as as organizations mature. Um, you know, that hopefully will will happen less and less. Yeah, no, that's a, that's really good. Thank you. I think I think you you if we could see the listeners, we'd probably see a lot of risk people shaking their heads and saying, "Yeah, I know exactly what you mean." <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and and apologies, Wendy. I probably should have um, asked at the start, but did you want to just give a quick overview for the listeners about Link? I think even. Um, you know, Link being Australian-based, not a lot of people would understand who Link is and what they do. So did, did you want to just give a brief overview? Yeah, so um, Link Group is uh, listed on the Australian Stock Exchange, has been for about four years now. Um, we are a financial services provider. We probably touch a lot of uh, people um, who are listening um, in a number of different ways. So uh, what we do is is we connect millions of people with their assets, and those assets can include equities, um, pension and superannuation investments, uh, property, other financial assets. And we do that by partnering with thousands of different financial market participants to deliver services and solutions and technology platforms that really help make scaled administration uh, simple. Mm. We um, are about 6,000 people globally, um, about half based in EMEA and the other half based in, in APAC. Uh, we have had a history of growing by acquisition. So a lot of interesting risk management work comes up in the you know, due diligence, acquiring and integrating um, of different businesses, but all concentrated in administration for financial products. Yeah. Okay. That's uh, that's really good. And I think, you know, um, just for the listeners' benefit and full disclosure, so ABM um, has done some work with Link in the past, and we found that very fascinating. And and I guess it, um, it it's a funny uh, place from the point of view that it services financial services, but it's not financial services <laughs> itself. It's one of those halfway houses which is always hard to get my head around <laughs> but um but a very interesting yeah interesting place and some fantastic people there uh, it was uh, it was was good to work there um so uh, some some tips for success how do you uh, what, what would be the things you would advise people to think about as uh, to be a successful cro or head of risk in an organization what, what are the things people should focus on mm. So uh, I think that um, 
you know, trying to understand the businesses that you're working with mm. is absolutely critical. Um, you know, you'll be the expert in risk management, but they'll be the experts in their business. And, and I think yeah. it, it, you, you, the successful risk managers are those who understand the business, its drivers, its strategy, um, and have great relationships with the executives or with their counterparts in the business and view it more as a partnership than an adversarial relationship. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I think you know, we need to have both good risk management but, and um, you know, good business leaders um, at the table. Um, you know, I think the other thing to mention would be um, ensuring that there's a, that, that you, you've got a diversity of experience um, or at least are open to hearing other points of view and perspectives. I, yeah. I think, you know, good risk managers um, don't come in thinking they've got all the answers mm. and they might mm. have some of them, but it's, it's always about, you know, a dialogue and getting to the real meaty issues and working together with the business to try to resolve them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I've seen a lot of risk managers and auditors um, try to come at things from kind of that gotcha perspective. Yeah. And that just doesn't work Yeah, from, from what I can see. I mean, nobody wants to have people come in and tell them everything they're doing wrong and then just leave, right? It's got to be about, you know, here's some issues. How can we, you know, here's some thoughts, recommendations. Um, let's work together to try to resolve them yeah. whilst maintaining that independence. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, um, it's always a fine line to walk, isn't it? It's, um, it, 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 there's, a, there's a point, I suppose, where, um, you know, if things do go wrong, uh, you know where the finger points. Well, hang on a minute. You're the you're the chief risk person. Why did this go wrong? Um, whereas you know, legitimately, it should be pointed at the business and say, well, hang on, you own this business. Yeah. Where did it go wrong? And and I, I, it is changing, isn't it, from a maturity perspective? It, it is. And you know, I, I, a few years ago, I worked for a chief executive who always liked to tell me that it was my job to make sure that I kept his people out of jail, right? <laughs> Meaning that he, it was my job to make sure that they didn't violate any regulations or you know, do anything untoward that would land them in hot water. Um, which is an interesting idea, but quite frankly, it's his people's jobs to, to keep themselves out of jail. It's my job to help with the framework and the questions and the controls to yep. make sure that, that, that they behave themselves. So yep. um, you know, that was a few years ago. He was kind of an old school CEO from that perspective, didn't understand the benefit of risk. Um, fortunately, in that company, the board absolutely got it. Yeah. Um, so they were, they were able to help. But um, you know, I do think that, as you said, it's, it's a question of maturity. Yeah. And I think you know, it's up to us as risk professionals and practitioners to help explain really what it is that we're there to do. Yeah. Um, you know, for example, in, in link, um, one of the things that we've instituted at the group risk committee is that, um, 
the business leaders or the, the, you know, the CEOs of the different business divisions will go once a year and explain the key risks in their business and what they are doing to mitigate them. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, my team and I provide guidance and questions and, you know, but they're the ones in front of the risk committee saying, this is my business. These are my risks. Yeah. So cool. it's, you know, trying to help link that, um, you know, that relationship in their minds that it's, it's, I don't manage risk, even though I work in risk management. Yeah. It's really I important. wish we had renamed ourselves as a, as a profession. I think you know, saying we're risk management implies something that isn't necessarily what we do. Yeah, and, and you often see with um, particularly people starting out in the risk uh, function, because they want to achieve a lot and they're usually go-getters and all of those sort of things, uh, the the short-term answer to get things done is to surround yourself with a big team and say, well, you know, I'll do all of this sort of stuff, but it's probably the worst thing you can do because the business says, right, you want to take that stuff, go for it. Uh, and they sort of, you know, exactly. absolve themselves of any responsibility and all of a sudden you've got a, a central risk function that, that becomes that ticker box thing and doesn't really have cut through with the business or, you know, really, yeah. really understand what's going on. So... Yeah, the, the as I say, I, I think it's changing. You know, businesses we work with, we're starting to see more maturity from business leaders. They understand that, you know, they run the business, it's their risk. Um, they just want help with frameworks and they want help with control suggestions and, and those sorts of things, which is which is ideal. Yeah, and, and you know, you'll have, since you've done some work with us, I, I, you'll have seen this, but at, at Link, um, you know, the risk management team um, had has taken on some responsibilities that really should sit in the first line, but they yeah. did it for good reasons, yeah. right? To help yeah. out the first line, um, you know, because they didn't have the right staff mm -hmm. or didn't have the right understanding. Um, so my team, in some cases, does the risk control self-assessments on behalf of the first line. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, we're trying to implements a better delineation between first line and second line now um, and trying to explain where that line sits and roles yeah. and responsibilities for the first line yeah. and the second line, um, which I think is another maturity point. But if you, if you had a blank sheet of paper and could start all over again, yeah. Yeah, you wouldn't have a second line doing control self assessments, which no. is yeah you know, pretty yeah. clear from what they're called where they should sit. So, e exactly. Um, we're exactly. trying to unpick a bit of a, a bit of that. Yeah, no, that's fair enough, and that's that's a legacy issue, and every organisation will have their own version of that, I'm sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, Wendy, tell me uh, your, your your title or your your role responsibilities at the moment. As I said in the introduction, is uh, risk compliance and audit. Um, does that present special challenges when thinking about risk? You've got those three buckets. They're all fairly unique buckets. They've all got very specialist uh, responsibilities and deliverables. How do you how do you juggle that that portfolio? Because it's quite big. Yeah, it it is, um, and it's it's interesting and challenging in equal measure, probably. So, um, I'll think about the compliance piece. First, and I think I'm speaking to an audience of risk managers, so hopefully I won't offend anyone when I say this. But um, you know, my view of, of the compliance 
function is it's just another type of risk, mm. right? Mm-hmm. So regulatory compliance to me is a subset of risk management as an overall discipline. So yep. I think you know they're, they're very much aligned in why they exist, what they're trying to do. So I think those, um, those work together pretty well. Uh, we do have a structure where each of the business divisions has or will have um, a senior person who manages both the compliance team and the risk team. Right. As you go further down, there are separate uh, groups of people who focus on compliance because that is sometimes, I guess, a different skill set. Um, and then people who focus on, on risk. There, there aren't people who wear really risk and compliance hats uh, at, at the more junior level. So yeah. I think those are quite, um, I guess, symbiotic. Yeah. Um, I think the more interesting question is around audit, right? Yeah. Because you hear the three lines of de- defense, um, independence, you know, all those sorts of things. So um, we have, uh, for the audit team, they they have a direct reporting line to the audit committee yep. of the group. Um, the audit committee is the one that approves the plan, um, you know, I can't hire or fire anyone, you know, a senior level in audit without permission of the audit committee, as it should be. Yep. Um, so they maintain that independence. I'm there to sort of provide guidance and leadership and, you know, help them along their way. Um, the benefit, though, that I see is that um, I can try to influence having them come in and, and really go through risk and compliance with a fine tooth comb and mm. tell me what I need to have improved in those two other disciplines. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I look at it rather than trying to say, okay, audit, stay away from risk and compliance. My view is please come in and help yeah. us get better. Yeah. No, that's um, good. No. Yeah. And I guess, I guess it, um, uh, you know, we talk about risk-based auditing. Well, you've got a really good <laughs> – platform there to make sure that that happens don't you (laughs) yeah absolutely look absolutely and i think you know it's as i mentioned that that diversity of thought and experience i mean having risk and compliance and audit all you know feeding off of each other's ideas and you know challenges that we find in one area those can be run across into the other disciplines so i think it's it can be a pretty powerful combination but you definitely have to respect the independence of of the audit function yeah yeah my word my word no that's great that's good and 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 you know i i think it's um it's it's interesting you go to different organizations and the approach is no you can never have audit and risk together and you got other organizations Mm -hmm. and oh yeah they're, they're together and they've always been together so it's a um it's got to fit the business i suppose and 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 work with that with that organization. Yeah, I, look, I, I agree. Um, it's got to fit the business and you've got to respect good governance, right, and that the independence yeah, of, yeah. of the functions, right, yeah. and, and make sure you don't cross the line. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, that's good. Thank you for that. I, I, I guess, uh, lastly, I'm cognizant of, of taking your time. I, I, we spoke a little bit um, before we started the interview just about the importance of strategy and clarity in that. Um, that's really important, I gather, in your mind for risk managers to uh, and risk leaders to understand the business's strategy and 
be able to translate that into uh, you know actions and controls that that actually you know enable the strategy. I guess I mean you know the old um, the the old sort of maxim that risk is a handbrake on 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 progress or handbrake on happiness or whatever you want to call it is not really the case. Provided the strategy is articulated, isn't it? I mean, risk is there to help realize the strategy. Well, it, it, exactly, and I think you know that if you've got a really good relationship between the strategy and the risk appetite statements, yep. which you know are there to enable the strategy, then you get to have some really powerful discussions. And, and I, I love every opportunity I have had to say to a business, "Okay, well, the risk appetite says this. You're taking less risk." Why? Mm. Let's have that conversation, yeah. which is a really powerful thing. And the, the, the times that I've had an opportunity to do that, you kind of can tell from the body language of the business leaders that they've never thought about it that way or that nobody had ever, from risk, had ever asked them that question because typically we tend to focus on the downside of risk and not the upside. Mm. And you know, you can't have those conversations unless you understand the strategy, the drivers of the strategy, and your risk appetite statements and metrics. Yeah. But it's 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 incredibly powerful. Yeah. It's it's um it's kind of an irony. Uh, risk has always been a two-sided coin. It's about the threats to the business and the opportunities that are out there and uh, the irony uh, that I find is that once you've done the job properly and you've, you've got to give it the time and the resource to, to do it, but once you've identified those threats um, and looked at all the things that can go wrong, they're not that uh, volatile. You know, the, the threats tend to be pretty consistent. Yeah, you've got to review them and keep an eye on them and monitor. But the exciting bit is the opportunities, you know, the risk upside. That's the stuff that's dynamic and agile and, and you know, gets the business excited as well. But that's still risk management. You still apply the exactly. disciplines, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, look, I, 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 absolutely, I absolutely agree with that. And I think as risk managers, we spend probably a disproportionate amount of time focusing on you know, the high-frequency, low-severity events because those are easier to control and address, right? Mm. The stuff that's low frequency, high severity, that could really kill your business, that stuff's hard, mm. right? Um, as are, you know, what are the risks that can derail your strategy and then what are the things that can really enable it? Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, we as a discipline often have our heads down in the weeds thinking about the things that are important and don't get, please, I hope people don't misunderstand because um, they are important. Yeah. But, you know, the real value comes in looking at these bigger picture yeah. things, both to the upside and to the downside. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you're right. There's a, there's a bit of a, an almost a red flag for yourself as a function. If, you, if you're finding that you're looking at that, you know, high frequency, low severity stuff all the time, something's wrong. <laughs> there's something yeah. wrong with the focus and, and you're not getting to the stuff that adds real value to the organisation. Exactly. Fantastic. Well, Wendy, thank you very, very much for taking the time and um, and sharing your experiences and your thoughts with the listeners. I'm sure they will be very much the wiser for having listened. And, uh, you know, the uh, 
I think the profession's got so much to learn and share from each other, and that's you know part of the reason why I started this podcast to hear from uh, you know risk professionals and and share ideas and thoughts. So it's really appreciated not only by me but also by the listeners, I'm sure. So thank you very much, and uh, you know uh, hopefully we will bump into each other again when we're all allowed to travel and uh, move around the world again. Well, I hope so. But thank you for the opportunity. I really really appreciated it. No problems at all. Okay, thank you uh, again to our special guest, Wendy, So, and thank you to our listeners. Um, it's uh, always great to have you tuning in, as always. Any thoughts, ideas, suggestions uh, for guests or questions you'd like to ask or have me ask a guest, uh, that's fine as well. So please get in touch. It's Anthony Wilson, so that's just anthony.wilson at abmrisk.com.au or my mobile number is 0404-829-040. So thank you once again for listening, and we will talk to you at the next episode. Bye.